Marvel DC, Marvel DC, Marvel DC, 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 Marvel, 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 Marvel image. We create our own realities and words. That's disgusting. Hello. That's disgusting. Hello. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Geek Chat. Welcome to the Geek Chat. Welcome to the Geek Chat. The Geek Chat. Hey, hey, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Geek Chat. But this is a special Geek Chat, a, a little show that we like to call Geek Chat uh, One Shots. And this this one particular is LGBT One Shots. And uh, this is going to be an interview series that we're going to be doing with uh, different LGBT uh, comic book creators, uh, just creators in general. They can create anything within the comic book uh, medium. Or book. Whether, or book, you know. Um, I'm your host, Desmond, and with me is my co-host. Rich. And with us today, uh, we have the very special uh, Jace Peoples. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Jace Peoples is hot off uh, the presses with his new book. Uh, what's your book called? Square, Zare, Pair. It's a children's picture book about diversity. Awesome. And uh, what else have you been doing? I mean, what 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 else have you been doing in your life? Yeah, you know that 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 is that has led you up to this uh, book. Um, well, actually, I'm an editor and writer. I am the entertainment editor for The Advocate, which is, as you know, one of the longest running LGBT publications in the world. And um, I love anytime I get to report on comics. <laughs> so anytime LGBT uh, rights and interests intersect with comic books, it's it's like a dream come true for me. How long have you been writing in general? Oh, wow. Actually, since I was a little kid, I grew up in the library. My mom was a librarian, and so oh. I spent a lot of time around comics and picture books when I was a little kid, and I used to try to write my own comics and my own picture books in my We all time. did that, too. <laughs> I did. I did. So can you remember the first comic book you ever read? Wow, I can remember a couple. A few of them were uh, World Finest comics, and okay. I remembered the covers so clearly and for the longest time I could not find them until just recently at uh, Comic-Con last year I found one of the ones that I grew up around and uh, that even though I cannot tell you the name of the story specifically <laughs> that comic is em emblazoned in who, who were the characters that were in the comic Superman and Batman and they were alternate versions of themselves uh, Batman sort of looked like a demon and um, it, it's just the cover so striking it, it, I'll have to pull it up and show you guys sometime it's, that it's would pretty be cool awesome. Yeah, I remember the first comic I read was Alpha Flight. Sorry, not it was uh, Atari Force number fourteen. Hmm. Can you believe that? My cousin gave it to me to shut me up. That's all it takes. It I got to remember that. <laughs> oh hush. <laughs> so, uh, when did you find LGBT uh, comic books? Wow, I think I want to say one of the earliest things that stood out to me is when I was in high school, and I it was Alpha Flight, the issue where Northstar had come out. And uh, there was a guy who sold comics out of his garage in this very small town in California Central Valley where I lived. And a lot of people were talking about that book. And I was intrigued, but I didn't want to ask about it. So I just sort of snuck over and kept listening to their conversation about this gay superhero. But that was the very first time I saw LGBT representation in a comic book. So what was the turning point in which um, you decided that I want to become a comic book creator? Like, was, was there something that you were seeing that was missing within the comic book, uh, LGBT comic book community or the comic book community in general that you felt, I want to write that or I want, I want my voice to be, be heard? 
I think coming out a little bit younger at the time, I was 15 when I came out, and this was in the early 1990s, and there weren't a whole lot of other gay teens in the area where I lived. And I was always a big fan of young teen characters because I felt like I could relate. So I was a big fan of Robin, uh, Superboy, Teen Titans, and I was a 16-year-old when those characters were 16. Unfortunately, they don't age, and I do. (laughs) (laughs) But I always wanted to be able to read a book like Robin when I was a teenager that dealt with issues that I would have dealt with as a gay kid. And unfortunately today, we really still don't have that with with very few exceptions. Do you remember Extrano? Yes. What were your thoughts on him back? Versus now, what were your thoughts back then when you saw this character? I mean, God, I was probably, this was like 86. He was young, yeah. Yeah, so I would have been 11. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you really didn't know. So it kind of flew over my head at the time. But looking back, oh, my God, he's so queer. (laughs) He is one giant gay stereotype thrown into one, and that's what they gave us. Yeah. Like, that was the gay for the time. And you, if I'm, you reported on um, the new Ellen Scott when that happened, right? Yes. So let's switch gears and go a little more in the future. So now we're here, 2016, and there's gays in comics. It, it's it's still something that you're the the main two are fighting to do, but it seems they're still they're at least open to it. Yes. What about Ellen Scott now? The the new gay version, like yes. whether or not. I think this is a, a good move on their part. Yeah. I think it's a really interesting and fun way to invigorate new life into a character that's been around for you know 70 years, 70 plus years. And I know that there are two different camps, people who think, oh, but he used to be heterosexual and how can you possibly do this? But in a world where we can have multiple versions of characters that are have different colored hair, who switch genders, who do all kinds of different things throughout the multiverse, why can't there be one version of this character that's gay. So I got to say, um, I agree with you. My problem being that it's been about a year mm-hmm. and he's a gay character, but they've never, they addressed it in like two issues. So do you, I, I got, do you think that he's was there for press? Do you think it was there to, to call attention or do you think that they just kind of, he's gay and forgot about it? Well, his, real quick, his partner did come back for a little bit. He has a cloud. Bar. Yeah, and he didn't remember him. <laughs> so there was that kind of, um, there was that kind of um, weird duality because he wanted to be with him, but he couldn't. But, but yeah, how do you think? You know, that at this point in the story now, he's not really. Even they're a really person, not exploring really. his anything. He, he's like a, a force a of the earth yeah. or something. It's a little more asexual. Yeah. Now. Yes. Will. I, I wouldn't say that I think it was something to just bring attention. I mean, of course, that that's capitalized on because, come on, this is a Green Lantern and he's gay. Correct. Why wouldn't you talk about that? But I think what starts off with the best of intentions goes through a lot of different hands and mm-hmm. a lot of different people. And what might have been a priority to one writer just isn't down the line. Yeah. And that's unfortunately what I think has happened with Alan Scott. Now, do you, um, in Marvel, there's, there's, Hulkling and Wiccan, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Wiccan being the son of Scarlet Witch, who is, her name is known to a lot of people, and now that the movies are out, her name will be more. You've got um, America Chavez. Basically, the whole Young Avengers at one point was mostly gay or bi. A little queer yeah. in, in one aspect or another, um, yeah. Marvel really took a chance on that. 
How do you feel that the comic book, the big two, because Image is creator owned and they can do anything like Captara is, yeah. you know, is has a gay lead. Um, how do you feel about the big two in 2016 with their LGBT? I think it's time for them to turn it up a notch. I think one of the things that made Batwoman such a success wasn't just that Batwoman is an awesome character. It's because she has that symbol emblazoned on her chest. And when a company that's as big as Marvel or DC takes one of their flagship characters and slaps that symbol on a character that's LGBT, that makes a statement in a way that Image can't or any other small press or creator-owned book it, it just it doesn't have the same weight. Right. And I think it's time for a gay member of the Superman family. I think it's gay, time for a gay member of the Flash family and so on and so forth. Can we talk a little bit about, um, if you can tell the listeners about what you've been doing with DC or did with DC and the diversity program? Uh, yes. So um, right before DC launched its DCU uh, re soft reboot last year, um, they invited the advocate um, and myself uh, as a part of the advocate to come and interview a lot of their creators to talk about what their plans were for their relaunch. And I really do applaud that effort in what they were trying to do. Now, I know sales numbers haven't quite matched up to their expectations, but with that relaunch, we got people of color. We got Midnighter, an out gay superhero headlining his own book. We got different, we got women like Starfire. Unfortunately, it's a book that's canceled now. But <laughs> but we, we did see, get to see a huge push in ways that some people have been clamoring for for so long. Cyborg. I mean, for, for God's sake, Cyborg finally had his own comic. How long has that character been loved by so many comic fans and really hasn't gotten a chance to shine? Yeah. Um, speaking of Midnighter, I'm really sad that the rumors are going to be that that's going to be canceled because depending on where you are, so um, my store, whatever, located in the Castro, which is, you know, the heart, the gay center mm -hmm. of San Francisco, um, we do really well with it. It's a well-written, beautiful book, and it explores everything. He is a gay man and a superhero and a kick-ass fighter, and he sleeps with men. He doesn't shy away from that. It's and, can't, and he sleeps with villains, And too. he sleeps with villains, too. Spoiler alert. Uh, so <laughs> I think we've all done that once yeah. or twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, unfortunately, this book, which, you know, I'm waiting for the trade. DC is not known for their trades getting out on time. I, I personally feel that had that first trade been available a little sooner, we could have got more people into that book. Uh, because it is a well-done book story that happens to have a gay man in it but there's places in the u.s where they're not going to buy a lot of copies yeah. they're not going to be reading it um what are your thoughts on about that that unfortunately they they did try well and they tried with batwoman too and i think the reasons for that book failing are completely separate i agree with that <clears throat> but again it comes down to that recognizability and by having that symbol on there i don't know that a book about kate kane and some other outfit would have done as well mm -hmm. but because it's attached to batman one of their flagship characters it pulls in a level of interest that a character like midnighter just can't do you think that's why they did they merged grayson with him not merged they brought grayson in a lot towards the end well i would say that that's definitely i don't think that went unnoticed or, or un, unthought about before the book was right was pushed i know that um part of the reason that they said that they had done Midnighter was because Midnighter showed up in Grayson and then the the storyline was thought to have done really well among readers and they used that as an excuse to launch Midnighter. I'm sure there was a lot more thought that went into it than 
what the PR statement would allow. Right. But um, I find it interesting that the writer was brave enough, that Steve Orlando was brave enough to bring in someone like Dick Grayson, which has often been talked about in gay circles. <laughs> oh, really? What is this little thing they're talking about? Share <laughs> as, with us. As a long history of being somewhat of a boy toy or a, an icon in, in a lot of ways um, for a lot of young gay readers for reasons that they would never publish <laughs> but steve so got short, i was gonna say pants. was it those little short green short pants, pants and those little booties yeah <laughs> but steve was brave enough to be able to incorporate that and give it a nod and a wink in a way that i thought was so fun and so tasteful yeah i'm gonna miss that book when it's gone i don't i don't know i think it'll be re i think it'll be relaunched i think it will come back really i think we're yeah. looking at um the authority is, is which my is going to be different opinion. but um Another thing that they threw away was the great relationship between Apollo and Midnighter and their child. But I don't think that they get, I don't think they threw it away. I think Steve Orlando had a much larger um, idea of what he wanted to do, but he really wanted to explore the Midnighter as a solo character, you know, who is completely a broken character. And 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 what I what I thought was really cool about his character is he's always been that person that can win at everything because of his computer brain, but he cannot win at relationships. It's that, it's that, um, that kind of subplot or that duality about him that just makes, that's one of the things that endears him to me. That makes me really cool. And I love that they're bringing, um, they're bringing Apollo back in the next couple of issues. And I really like, that's what I want to see. I want to see that relationships. And I really hope that he gets the, uh, the writer, Steve Orlando, gets the ability to show that before it is gone. Do you That's think that had we had the internet back when two mm. gay men adopted a child, do you think that would have caused quite the ruckus like it would now with all the, the online haters? I mean, back then, I think it's so easy to gloss over the fact that even 10 years ago, LGBT rights and, and attitudes towards LGBT people were not nearly what they are today. Mm-hmm. Um, people like us are lucky that we've gotten to live in places like San Francisco and LA, but the rest of the world is unfortunately just catching up. Yeah. And had we had the social media in the way that we do now, I think it would have been a very different story. Perhaps things would not have been published or they would have backed away. Kind of like um, when North Star had the child for, it was very short. One issue. One issue. Yeah. yeah. And then the whole thing with... Um a Noel and uh, North Star's relationship, you know, as a mentor mentee kind of thing. That's all right apart. To, and yeah. that's the thing. Like, I really wish that they were willing to explore that more um, well, and not be f- fearful of oh. whatever backlash could have happened. Speaking of, we have Iceman. What are your thoughts on gay Iceman? I think it's pretty cool. Um, to be able to take one of the most iconic X-Men and again, play with something that's always been winked at. It's been an aspect of that character that's sort of, been under the surface for so long why not we already have how many versions of x of iceman out there of every x-men out there <laughs> and we can't have this one version where he happens to be gay yeah did you like did you like how we handled his coming out i think it was interesting especially the way that they had gene sort of read his mind i was more what i thought was sort of a bigger issue is how a lot of people accused the writer of being biphobic because he had put in the i there was the moment where gene said or he says well maybe i'm bisexual and gene says they say everybody is but you're gay and there were a lot of people including an article that was on the mary sue 
where one of the writer the writer of that article was really upset because that's something that's often used against bisexual people and they're told it's just a phase but i don't think that that's what was intended i don't either because i've been reading the x-men for many many years and he's opal he's always had failed relationships Mm -hmm. which doesn't mean you're bisexual it doesn't mean anything he's always had bad luck with women and it's a given in his history so I didn't know about the backlash. I guess we, I didn't know. Did you know about it? No, I, I didn't. I guess we glossed over that fact that a backlash, again, people upset because fill in the blank. And I think it's tough too, because when you're dealing with someone, like we're recently beginning to see a lot more by visibility right now. And mm-hmm. so, and even though we're still struggling with a gay visibility, there's still a huge imbalance there. So for someone, and I don't know if you guys are the same, but for me growing up, there was like a, a hot minute where I was like, oh, I'm bisexual. And it was a stepping stone for me to be able to be open and honest about myself. That's a very real experience that I have as a gay man and that I know a lot of other people do. I think it's unfortunate that that can't come out in a story like that without it being looked at as a negative against bisexual people. But for those people that took it that way, I understand because that's used against, against them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What about trans characters? Because in Angela, Queen of Hell, she's in love with... I forgot her name. Bad. I did too. Ser- Seraph? Ser- she was the one that was um, in Loki, though, yes. right? Yeah, I can't remember her name either. He was that, a gender-fluid character himself. Yes. Yes. That exactly. they've created. Exactly. Um, but again, these are all things that the major two are... are um, playing with right now which mm-hmm. i which i like that they're giving much more visibility because people like you and and jason and other people brian anderson and and other people who are trying to really push that like diversity envelope and showing that this is okay it's viable you can make money at it people want to see themselves you know um and we're just going to shift gears just a little bit and talk about your new book um what was the impetus about doing that book? You know, what, 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 what was your process? Were you just, were you just sitting in bed and like, <laughs> I would make a children's book? No, um, I mean, again, as I said before, I grew up in the library. And so over the summers, um, for the first few years of my life, my mom was actually uh, single. My parents had divorced when I was very young. And so I spent afternoons at the library, entire days, and I adored picture books. I loved story time in the summers and we'd sit down and have um, songs and live readings. I always wanted to be able to have a book that spoke to an LGBT sensibility without being upfront and obvious. Um, and when I, uh, when I finished my last year of college, I just started to, I started to play with a lot of nursery rhymes and turning those into different stories through a queer lens and that was actually one of the stories that came through that creative journey i guess you could say cool so was there any reason why they were anamorphic i wanted it to be a story where you where a person could read it without attaching something that we already know so there's no gender instead it's just circle or square and by taking something so basic i felt like it really highlighted how ridiculous a lot of homophobia is and then through creating it, I realized it's a story about much more than that because they're just shapes. It doesn't have to be about gender. It doesn't have to be about sexuality. It can be about whatever you need to project onto that story. And the whole point is it's about embracing differences and how differences within any community actually make that community stronger. 
Okay. So what were some of the challenges, if any, uh, that you faced when trying to get uh, this book made? Actually, because of its LGBT subtext, there were a few people who told me that the story was too gay. Wait a minute. As in book publishers, like or as in agents, as in agents told you it was too gay. Yeah, that I might want to consider um, looking at it again, rewriting it, uh, coming up with something a little different. A couple of them told me that it was kind of like a, a, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it was like a zing against straight people that that these two uh, square characters were doing something that the others couldn't. I think they completely missed the fact that at the end of the book, everybody sort of learns their own little special gift or magic power. But I think it made a couple of people uncomfortable. And that's why I decided to just go forward and not have to deal with someone who would edit the core of what that story was and what I was trying to say. And that's why you had a very successful Kickstarter for it. Yes. It's, I, we actually raised over $11,000. I was amazed and uh, got uh, some fun people involved uh, who I've become good friends with now. Um, Samantha Newark. I was going to say, why don't you drop that name? Because <laughs> we always talk about it on the Geek Check. Go ahead. So Samantha Newark is the original voice of Jem from the 1980s animated series. And she's just the sweetest, sweetest girl. Um, she, oh, she volunteered her time, um, really helped me with the project. Um, she's actually re-recording parts of the audiobook, which will be available in a couple of weeks. And she's gone on other interviews and talked about the book and just really embraced it. I adore her. She's wonderful. She's mm. amazing. Or, or should I say she's truly outrageous? Outrageous. <laughs> she is truly outrageous. Um, so how many places did you take it to first before you decided, you know, I want to do this myself? Mm. I probably, I want to say between 70 and 80 oh. different places I had wow. submitted the book to. At See, different points. Now, you need to get this on Ellen because, um, hello, <laughs> you will be able to tell all those people to uh, kiss your ass because wow. it's a wonderful book. Thank you. And the thing is, you mentioned it. It you Whenever people want to talk bad about anything gay or anything within the umbrella, the first thing they go for is sex. It's the it's the yes. one thing that, and I'm gonna just gonna say, and this is my opinion. This is not the opinion of the geek chat. That I always feel like all the straight old white men that we have running for president, the first thing when you say gay, they have more butt sex on the mind than most <laughs> gay men. It's and true. it's true that they, the agents that you talk to. Uh, it's sex. It isn't sex. It's a bunch of creatures that have no sexual organs to begin with. Right. So, and you're really not marketing to them. You're marketing to families with children and without, because it's you know people yeah. like us. We just like to read books. That your target audience is probably not going to be so rigid in the way they think. No, and and it's very similar to Dr. Seuss with the Sneetches. I mean, that was one of my favorite stories growing up. So there were the star-bellied Sneetches and the plain-bellied Sneetches. It's a story, it's an an allegory about racism. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do the same thing in a different way. But you're right, you see what you want to see Mm -hmm. in those Mm -hmm. types of things. And whether it's a book like Squares Air Pair, where shapes are what's used as the the sort of uh, main disagreement, or something like a star on your belly, like the sneeches, you project onto that story what you want to get out of it. Yes, we, we, we've talked about people projecting a lot, and it is something that, that happens very much 
Yeah, and and when you were threatened with a uh, protest, hmm. you know, by the people who will remain nameless. Yeah, we're not going to give any, um, any. Then we're not even going to promote a hate them. group. Yeah, they're, a, a hate they're, group. they're a hate group, which is in the uh, false pretenses of religion. Yeah, yeah, and and I really believe that they were projecting whatever fears they had onto this very innocent um, book that is just from a place of fear in my opinion i mean it totally came cuz coming from a place of fear where the intent was a place of love yes and i mean just to be clear in ca- for listeners just in case it wasn't the story is about creatures that come in two shapes round or square and they always pair up one round one square and so all of the drama ensues when two square ones pair up for the first time and um that's what apparently incited people to come and want to protest this book so he had a uh, a very successful event here in San Francisco at Books Inc. And you had a lot of supporters come out ready to come. I don't want to say come back because there was not going to be punches thrown, but to show the side of love and that that's really what we all should do. And what was Saturday like for you? It was amazing. I'm not going to lie, you guys. I was a little nervous when I walked up there that morning because I'd never been involved in something um, that was so personal and had created uh, somewhat of a controversy. But the minute I got there, I saw um, four or five of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence were there in full makeup. And, I mean, come on, day drag is not easy. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> and it was amazing. They were there. So many people I had never met before came out because they believed in the message and, and they had something to say. It, it was overwhelming. Well, congrats on that. That Thank really you. is amazing that you were just... And listen, like he just walked up, you guys. He didn't come in in a limousine or anything like that. You know, he is Flying one of the in, people. Flying in your, in your helicopter. No. <laughs> you imagine that? He like jumps out with this book in his hand. He's like, hey, everybody, I'm here. And you're, you were invited to do a reading at a school. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so um, in, in, uh, we had a reading there at Book Sync after the, this hate group did not show up. Um, cowards. Yeah, cowards. But cowards. we had a lovely group of people that were there to celebrate love. So everybody came in. We had a reading. And among those people in there was a school teacher. And she invited me to come and read it to her classroom. What age do you know? Um, elementary school. Cool. So what I believe was, it's C5 elementary. What was the re- reaction to the kids when they read it? When you read it to them? Everybody, everything was obviously very positive that day. Everyone was very up. But what's been most wonderful is that I've been getting videos and pictures from people who have been receiving the book. And I love to see small snippets of them reading it to their kids or their kids who aren't quite at a reading level where they can pretend as if they can read it. It's adorable. (laughs) See? Hey, like RuPaul says. Well, I can't say that. I don't get sued by her. But it has something to do with love, okay? (laughs) I don't think she trademarked it. Okay, good. <laughs> I mean, if if Donald Trump can trademark your fired, I don't think she can trademark <laughs> that. So I think you're in the clear, girl. Uh, um, so what's next for you? Wow. So what's next? I'm really uh, just getting into the book. Launching it just came out uh, on January 1st, actually. So I have a reading coming up in West Hollywood at the West Hollywood Library for their children's hour. At Let's this, promote it. Where? Yeah, uh, it's at the West Hollywood Library. It'll be at 11 a.m. What uh, day? Next Saturday on the 13th, so the day before Valentine's Day. I'll also be at the Long Beach Comic Con, WonderCon. I'll be signing at the prison booth. And I'll have an event uh, in March at Book Soup, which is right there in West Hollywood as well. 
So uh, have we heard the last of of these two, or will we get a new book as well? I don't know if going and doing another uh, book about the Squares Air Pair is on the near horizon, but I do have another children's book awesome. uh, that I'm working on. And when this <laughs> begins to die down a little bit and it's not so busy, I would love to get back to it. I Well, we cannot wait to see. And we'll have uh, you on for that, too. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Honestly, we can't wait to see what's coming out next for you because this, this book has been a hit. Um, and where can we find you? Like, if people want to talk to you or give you congrats or, or, or just contact you, how can they do that? I'm on Twitter um, at Jace Peoples, J-A-S-E-P-E-E-P-L-E-S. Um, also, the book, Squares Air Pair, is on Facebook, has its own page. So come, come, like us, support yeah. us. Uh, if you've had the book, please send us pictures. We love to see um, you guys reading it to your friends and family. Well, I have to pimp it out that you can also find it at whatever, located at 548 <laughs> Castro Street in sunny San Francisco. Yes. Actually, whatever was the very first place to have it. Always. I have known you for years, so I'm I'm so happy that this is going for you. It's also available at BookSync and at BookSoup in the um, in West Hollywood, as well as on Amazon. Yeah, so in they can e-book. order it online as well. Yeah, it's and in where e-book is and this, Where is this wonderful um, audio book? Yeah, be? what is this? So it'll be coming out uh, probably at the end of February. Samantha is actually going and uh, doing a couple of extra things for the recording as we liven it up a bit. Cool. I, I cannot wait. So just want to say thank you so much again for stopping by the Geek Chat and talking with us, Jace. And uh, we you. look forward to hearing more about your future endeavors, okay? Awesome. Thanks, guys. It's always a blast hanging out with you. Thank you so much. And um, again, thank you so much for taking the, uh, the time to listen to this uh, first episode yes. of our One Shots. And um, please stay tuned. You can always check out uh, the Geek Chat uh, Facebook group. Um, join us and we will definitely let you know uh, when we're going to be doing the next one. Yep. Um, alrighty. So thank you and have, you guys have a great evening or Bye. daytime or, or whatever you listen to us. <laughs> Bye.